Hey, this is Mr. Anderson Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Peak Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Perfect Secrets of WCW Nitro. New two out of three falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast. I'm joined by Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Graham, my man, how you doing? What's going on, Randy? Doing great as always. How you doing, my man? Doing good. Can't complain. Mark Remondi, who is our our third man, he's on Twitter at Mark underscore Remondi from MMAfighting.com. He's covering the UFC up in Calgary, I think, so he won't be with us this week, but... Graham, let's get right to it, man. The big, the big news. We're gonna get Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Part Four, SummerSlam, Barclays Center. We're gonna do it all over again, like it never happened. How excited are you for the big dog and the beast, <laughs> Part Four, <laughs> SummerSlam? Jesus, Randy, you did a better job of hyping up that match than the company has in right. a long-ass time. I mean, we've known this was the end game since WrestleMania. We knew that Roman and Brock has been the end game since WrestleMania fucking 33. I am so ready for this shit to be over with. And when it wasn't over with by WrestleMania 34, uh, people were sick of it even a year ago, let alone a year later. And where Brock is still the universal champion, Roman is still a guy, even though he's not. Um, but yeah, I'm just ready for this whole thing to be over. I mean, I'm sure the match could be decent. The WrestleMania match was shit. The greatest Royal Rumble match was shit. And I think we all know how this is playing out because Brock is obviously not walking out still champion. So obviously Roman's going to win and then uh, Braun Strowman will cash in, which is great and all, but I can't say I'm too excited for this match because it's so predictable. And as a match, it likely won't even be that good. So like I said in years past, or weeks past here on the show, and we'll talk more about this a little later on in the episode because it kind of goes back to what I wrote about on Bleach Report a few days ago mm-hmm. about how the fans hijack the shows and do they make it more annoying or more entertaining. I guess it depends on the circumstance. Um, but in this circumstance, it could make the show more bearable because Roman and Brock as a match does nothing for me. But in the environment of the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, it could be a spectacle to say the least. Yeah. Um, still at this point... Um I guess me and you got to figure out if we're going to SummerSlam, you know, not together, but I'm just saying, but like, I guess in general, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, NXT and SummerSlam, they got Raw, SmackDown there, you know, I ain't going to Raw and SmackDown, but I might pop up at NXT and or SummerSlam, I got to figure it out, but you know, the main event, I, you know, again, when you watch Monday, you didn't really think Bobby Lashley was going to win, it, it, again, let, let's say hypothetically, it's Brock Lesnar, or it was going to be Brock and Bobby Lashley in the main event uh, for the Universal title. I mean, let's keep it real, Graham. Would you be happy about that? Would you feel like, hey, it's something new we haven't seen. I'm tired of Brock uh, and Roman. Or do you still feel like, yeah, on paper it sounds okay, but with the crowd, the SummerSlam, it's Barclays, you still kind of want Brock Roman 4 as opposed to something brand new with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. 
I do want Bobby and Brock. Honestly, I don't know if it'd be too much better of a match. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's going to be the next Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart from WrestleMania 12, but it's something different. I mean, I mean, granted, I mean, be careful what you wish for. We almost got fucking Brock Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal last year at Survivor Series. So just because it's different doesn't mean it's better. Um, but in the case of Bo- uh, of Bobby, uh, I'm, I'm mixing up the names here. Oh, man. Brock Lesnar <laughs> and Bobby Lashley. It's like they're they're having a kid. I'm mixing up the names. Um, Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. That's a match. Not even dating back to when Bobby Lashley first came back to the company. This is a match that has been in the works now. That that fans have been talking about for honestly now about four years. Uh, Bobby Lashley embarked on this great run. Maybe not a majority of the fan base, but Bobby Lashley embarked on this great run in TNA about four years ago. He won the TNA World Championship, was super dominant around the same time where Brock Lesnar beat John Cena in decisive fashion at SummerSlam to become the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Um, he was being booked super dominantly, was Bobby Lashley. He had a great physique. His mic skills improved immensely in TNA compared to his initial run in WWE. He seemed to be physically and how he was being booked in that company as the only real threat to Brock Lesnar. And I know he was over in TNA at that point, but many people are saying the only real person who can realistically beat Brock Lesnar in storyline, aside from maybe Samoa Joe, who gave Brock a run for his money last summer when they feuded, would have been Bobby Lashley. And I know he has not been the light in the world on fire so far since coming back to the company, mm-hmm. but his last two outings against Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules and this weekend Raw were very, very good. Um, I think with the right motivation, the right feud, the right story, I think the guy can be a real asset to this company. And I mean, he could be booked the same way that Roman has been and being this super bland baby face with real no character motivation and all this other stuff. But at least it's something different. And I think Brock and Bobby, because we are not getting in SummerSlam, we may never get the chance to see that match. I'm sure Brock will be back, but will WWE officials still see Bobby Lashley as a priority a month from now, six months from now? By WrestleMania next year, is Bobby and Brock going to be still a major attraction by WrestleMania season six, seven months from now? That's my question. I don't think so. I think they should have struck while the iron was hot with Bobby and Brock, and they didn't. And now we're left with Roman and Brock. Because that's what Vince McMahon has set his mind on for years. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're getting at SummerSlam next month. Yeah, I, I think when it comes down to it, I think it was easier. Again, I think this match was laid out uh, months in advance, maybe a year, like you said. But I think it's easier to put Bobby Lashley in the mid-card area for SummerSlam than to, than, than, than to put Roman Reigns in the mid-card area for SummerSlam as opposed to him fighting Brock. So I think it's easier to say, you know, I, you know my thing is this. If Roman doesn't win the match, it's Bobby and Brock at SummerSlam. What do you do with, with, with Reigns? Then, now, you got to think about, all right, now it's going to be Brock and Roman. What do you do with Lashley at SummerSlam? No, exactly. I think the simple fix is having them. I mean, I know it's been done to death, but having that match on Monday, you could have had it gone. You could have had it gone to some sort of a non-finish right. to set up a three-way with Brock, Bobby, and Roman. Now I know you're still getting Brock and Roman. You can still have Roman go over. You can still have Roman go over by pinning Bobby, which is what he did on Monday anyway. But in that way. 
Brock isn't being beat one-on-one. Bobby isn't beaten one-on-one. And then you can still set up the Money in the Bank cash in with Roman Reigns because he had to overcome not one but two different monsters in the same night and is even more tired than he would have if he just faced Brock Lesnar one-on-one. Um, and then in that case, if we're never going to get Brock and Bobby one-on-one, at least we get it in some sort of a matchup. We have some sort of interaction between the two in that likely in that match. I proposed that three way at SummerSlam with all three guys. I think that would have been a much better idea. It would have been a much more exciting match. Um, It's kind of what we almost got last year. Not exactly, but close when it was Brock Roman Samoa Joe and Braun. That was a great title match. I mean, Brock has not had the best matches over the last year, year and a half. He's had a few gems here and there, but for every Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar, for every four-way that he had at SummerSlam last year, he's had a fucking three-way with Braun Strowman and Kane of the Rumble, which sucked. The Roman Ma- the Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania sucked. The Braun Strowman match one-on-one and No Mercy last year sucked. So his matches have been very hit or miss. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I would have done the three-way. Obviously, you can't go back in time and erase that now. Bobby lost clean as a sheet in the middle of the ring and raw this week. There's no way they can go back and say, Oh, you know, Roman, you know, cheated him out of the victory. He got screwed over. Let's do a three way or a four way or whatever. You can't, the cat's out of the bag. The genie's out of the bottle. You can't put it back in. You got to go with Roman and Brock at this point, one-on-one. But like you said, what do you do with Bobby Lashley? I was thinking that over while the match was happening on Monday's Raw. Not even after the fact, because we all knew Roman was winning. So while I'm watching the match, I'm thinking to myself, who does Bobby face at SummerSlam if it's not Brock Lesnar? Because mm. Raw really has no real heels. Quite honestly, if you look at the roster, they are re- really Raw. Uh, they're very heel desolate right now between Jinder just being a loser. They tried. They failed. He's not a good heel at all. Um, they have Baron Corbin. No one gives a shit about Constable Corbin. Kevin Owens is doing his thing right now with Braun Strowman. Um, I, I can't think of many other people. What, Elias, Bobby Lashley, and Elias? Like, who cares? So I'm not really sure what else they could do. I know there's Dolph and there's Drew. I guess they could do Drew. That would kind of be a little random. Uh, Dolph's busy right now with Seth for the fourth time at the pay-per-view. So I don't know what you do with Bobby, but it really is a shame that the pay-per-view match meant less than the Raw match. It really should be the other way around. But that victory in retrospect really meant nothing. And any momentum he got from that victory over Roman at the pay-per-view a few weeks ago now means nothing in retrospect. So it just goes to show even more and more by each passing week in WWE that wins and losses mean absolutely nothing. And you know what? You know, great minds do think alike because as you were mentioning, you know, I, I wrote down when you when you mentioned, you know, it could have been a three-way. And I, and I, and I thought to myself, you know, Brock, Brock has been in many – in, you know, triple threat, fatal four-way. Then you mentioned fatal four-way last year at SummerSlam. The triple threat, I think, at the Rumble with Braun and Kane. And then there was a, the, the triple threat three years ago with, 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 uh, with Seth and John Cena. So he's been in a lot of multi-man matches. And maybe they just felt like, all right, you know, we're tired of doing, you know, we're tired of putting Brock in a multi-man match. Let's do this one-on-one, even though this is the fourth time him and, him and Roman Reigns have gone at it in, in a one-on-one match. But, um, yeah, I think the, 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 the big question is, what do, you do, what do you do with Lashley? And from what I see right now on, on the SummerSlam card, seven matches, and it's like, all right, are you going to start a feud with Bobby and somebody brand new uh, in the next three, four weeks to get a program together? And should, should, it, should, it, should it have been a three-way? Maybe, 
you know, there's still the, the, the possibility of Braun cashing in. So you have that outside element going on. But, uh, you know, could it have been Brock and Bobby Lashley? Yeah, it could have. But I just, I think they knew from day one, from even WrestleMania, from the greatest Royal Rumble, even, even from last year, we're going to go with Brock and Roman Reigns. And, and who's to say Roman even walks out the champion? You know, again, we thought Roman, would, we thought Roman was going to win at WrestleMania. We thought he was going to win at the greatest Royal Rumble. It did not happen. We keep hearing about Brock and UFC, him going back, um, him trying to get back uh, in the UFC in January. So a lot of question marks um, out there. And I mentioned Braun, and now this match he has with Kevin Owens where he, he, he's basically defending his Money in the Bank contract as if it was a title. So one of those two guys can be inserted into that uh, main event at SummerSlam, which I know the crowd would just go uh, apeshit for if Braun Strowman was to win the, the, the title and not Roman Reigns. But um, now the match is set, do you still feel that, again, right now, Roman Brock, which side do you lean towards more to walk out of SummerSlam with the belt if there is no cash in from Braun? Definitely Roman. I, I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that it'll be Roman Reigns. Uh, like I said, I think Brock's taking time off from the company. I mean, I say taking time off. The last six months he's been taking time off exactly. from WWE, despite <laughs> being the universal champion. But what I meant to say was that I don't think he'll resurface until at least the Rumble in January, if not WrestleMania season. I do think they'd make a great get to have him be brought back. I, I'm not exactly sure. There's been so many rumors as to what the exact details are of his current contract with wwe obviously he'll he'll likely fight uh daniel cormier and ufc early next year if that hasn't already been announced officially it's it's pretty likely they wouldn't set it up at ufc 226 if it wasn't happening um but i think he has a contract similar to what he did before his current one his latest one expired where he can fight for the ufc under the permission of vince mcmahon when he's not with wwe and he doesn't have any previously scheduled dates or whatever um, so I could see him being brought back to WWE or coming back around WrestleMania season. And I see that being what happens. I don't know why you would keep the belt on him other than just to say, oh, he's the universal and UFC champion at the same time. Like who gives a shit mm-hmm. and as cool as that would be for some fans, a large portion of the fan base would not give a crap if Brock Lesnar was a universal, was a simultaneous champion in the UFC and WWE. Like, who gives a shit? Um, so beyond that, I don't see why he would retain on Sunday. It's not like he's being brought in for the September pay-per-view to drop it to Roman there. That was the whole point beyond Greatest Royal Rumble to, to hopefully drop the championship to Roman there. It didn't happen. They wanted to prolong it till SummerSlam. For what reason? No one knows. They just wasted more and more time with Brock as universal champion. Um, with, with Roman, again, I don't know where you go with him. Even once he wins the championship, I have no doubt in my mind that Roman Reigns is winning that belt, whether Braun cashes in or not. But even if Braun wins the championship, again, both of them currently are baby faces. Who do you have them feud with in the fall? That's the problem because Raw has no real heels right now. We've seen Braun and KO and Roman and KO so many times. Beyond that match, who else can you have them feud with? Jinder is not a real threat. Elias is not a main event threat. Dolph Ziggler's at the mid card right now. Maybe Drew McIntyre, but unless they either turn, I mean, Bobby Roode is so beyond damaged. I'm not sure what they could do to help him beyond turning him heel. But even then, he, I don't know if he'd be a top heel from the get go. But you have him waiting in the wings. You have Bobby Lashley who could be turned. 
Dean Ambrose could be back anytime now to hopefully be turned heel. Maybe Jason Jordan at some point. Right. But I, beyond SummerSlam, I, I'm just I fear that this company has only really had their sights set on SummerSlam, and they're very short sighted. They're not really thinking beyond the pay per view. So once they get the belt on Roman, they're not thinking what's next. They don't have any sort of long-term plan or have people lined up to face Roman coming out of that pay-per-view. That's what I'm kind of looking at here because SummerSlam, there's no doubt about the outcome. It's going to be Roman Reigns, the new Universal Champion. But what happens after SummerSlam? Who's the first one to rise up to take uh, Roman up on a challenge for that championship? That's my question. So it's more of a wait-and-see approach, but I'm not too optimistic. They know what they're doing after SummerSlam. Listen, Graham, me, you, and Mark was on this show with April, and we said Roman Reigns was going to win the universal title didn't happen. We said we came back on the show that same month and said at the greatest Royal Rumble, without a doubt, Roman Reigns will win the belt. Shit didn't happen. So I'm just saying, like, mm -hmm. there's a little bit. Listen, if Brock Lesnar was to walk out of Barclays at SummerSlam with the belt, I am not at all a bit surprised. For what would be their reasoning? I I really don't know because it's not like he's there every week. Um, it's not like he'll win on on on, on that Sunday and, and do a rematch on Raw. Like, like when's the last time Brock Lesnar even fought on Monday Night Raw? I mean, it's been a, it's been a long time. Whether he's a champion or not, he hasn't fought since he got back in 2013. To to my recollection, he, I don't think he's had a one on one match or even a fucking tag match on Raw. So it's not like he'll do a rematch the following night. Um, I still think that there's an outside chance that Braun can come in and, 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 and pin Roman. Like, again, I don't think Brock is going to tap out or, 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 or be pinned. So there's that loophole again. Hey, Brock never really lost a belt. Someone came in like Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31. He didn't get pinned. So they might do the same thing with, with, uh, with Braun. And again, Roman Reigns is still title chasing for, you know, the fans can say whatever they want about Roman and say we don't want him champion it's not like Roman Reigns is a seven time universal champion he's never been universal champion ever so you know if he's champion cool if Braun walks out cool if Brock wins I'm not I'm not at all surprised now him being universal champion and UFC heavyweight champion at the same time um, does it add more credential to them I don't think they need it but I guess they can kind of, you know, puff their chest out a little bit and say, hey, we have the, the, the best uh, athlete in the world, the greatest champion in the world from two different sports, if you want to, you know, whatever. But um, I think it's very interesting to see where they go. And I don't know what the, what the situation is with Brock's contract after SummerSlam, how many more dates he has. I know he's supposed to be on Raw this Monday night. So we'll see about that. But uh, if you ask me right now, I don't... Th I, I, I don't think, I don't think Roman wins. I don't think I, I, Brock can win the match and then Brock can come out after that. I don't think Braun would do it uh, in the middle of the match. Um, if you're fantasy booking this, would you even want Braun to cash in at SummerSlam, whether Roman wins or Brock wins? Uh, at this point, it doesn't even matter. I mean, with Braun, they got to have him win the championship at some point. No better time than at SummerSlam. I mean, you really, like I said, it's either at SummerSlam or, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess they could wait a month. Like, why wait though? There's really no point. There's really no point in waiting because I know Roman Reigns really has yet to get a run with the championship in like two, two and a half years or whatever. But like I said, even when he wins that championship, what do you do with Roman Reigns? Because you're not doing Roman and Brock Part Five at the whatever the fucking September pay per view was held in the cell. I doubt Brock will be brought back for that. Um, so, I mean, Roman Reigns and I mean, again, it makes sense to me to have Braun cash in on Roman. You do the Hell in the Cell match the very next month um, because they do have history. So it's not like it's coming out of nowhere or it's like Roman and Jinder again in a Hell in the Cell match for real no apparent yeah. reason whatsoever. So I would have Braun cash in. You got to send the crowd home happy because every single year now for the last three years, they've been to the Barclays Center. They've had a main event with Brock Lesnar in it. That has ended the night on a sour note. I remember being there for 2015 SummerSlam when Taker beat him in like shitty ass fashion. The match was pretty good, mm-hmm. but like the controversy around the finish, people were super pissed about that. Two years ago, when the finish with Orton ended in like a non-finish or referee stoppage, that was pretty stupid. Last year, Brock retained the title. I mean, it was better than Roman winning, but it wasn't Joe or Braun, so people were like kind of like flat towards the finish. So, again, they really got to end this pay-per-view on a high note this year for the first time in, like, four or five years. Um, And they need to really do that by having Braun emerge as the new Universal Champion. Like I said, there's really no reason to wait. Um, And I'm not saying that Roman will absolutely walk out as champion. I'm just saying if Braun does not cash in between him and Brock, if it's not a cash-in during the match, Roman is beating Brock Lesnar. There's really no point to have... Brock hold on to the championship even longer and do even further damage to Raw. And they're not going to have Roman pull a Nakamura and lose the championship match like three times. Like they wouldn't have him do that Mm -hmm. because, I mean, I know we, I know we all predicted him to win at WrestleMania. It's one thing to lose once or twice to lose three times. It's like beyond the point of no return because you are pretty much labeled as a loser at that point. If they have Braun cash in, at least Roman did not get pinned one-on-one, so it's a little different. Or they could have Brock get pinned. At this point, who gives a shit? It's not like a few years ago when he has the streak going and he's undefeated. At this point, Brock has been embarrassed multiple times by Goldberg and a few others. So it's not like they, they have to have Brock not be pinned. So again, I would have Braun cash in. Um, it would at least get a great reaction. He deserves the world title anyway. He's the most over guy in Raw who's not named Seth Rollins. So that's, that's what I would do, but I'm not optimistic they'll do the right thing. Well, since you don't have Instagram, Graham, uh, Graham no pun intended, I'm not sure if they put this out on Twitter. I haven't checked it, but the WWE put out this picture. You've probably seen it if it's on Twitter. Um, the, own, the, the seven superstars to only beat Brock Lesnar. So if you haven't seen it, I want I want to ask you if you know offhand the seven superstars. We can one, two, three. All right, the seven superstars to beat Brock Lesnar. Well, first of all, to correct you, real quick, Randy, this is a uh, a news development here. I oh, do man. have Instagram now. I just created one last week, so I oh, am wow. on the IG as the kids call it as of uh, last Tuesday. But I did not see the graphic. But I will go offhand here. Um, Let's see, seven people to have beaten Brock Lesnar. I think in just over the course of his entire career, obviously Triple H, Mm -hmm. um, John Cena. That's two. The Undertaker. Three. um, Goldberg. Four. Big Show. Five. Kurt Angle. Six. I think they're they're saying one-on-one. So one-on-one, 
Big Show, Kurt Angle. I'm trying to think during his, during his original stint. Because beyond those guys, no one else has beaten him one-on-one in like recent years. Beyond Goldberg, I'm trying to think. If, is, is it someone from like years and years ago, the last person I did not name? Well, this... I thought I thought this person would be obvious, but this person was the one to beat Brock while Brock was champion. So he he beat him for the title. Then I say Kurt, Kurt Angle, Big Show. Mm-hmm. Oh, Eddie Guerrero, obviously. I don't know how I forgot Eddie Guerrero, but go. yeah, those seven guys. Okay, that makes sense. I, that's actually an amazing stat, um, and they never really they should advertise that more than they you know than they on their social media pages because to think I know the guy isn't a regular on the roster anymore but to have only lost to seven different people over the course of 15 years in one-on-one action mm-hmm. is pretty impressive they've they've booked Brock by and large very 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 well no one ever gets this treatment so again that's a pretty wow. amazing stat all things considered yeah I mean you, you know uh yeah you know I would have thought someone like again during that time, like Randy Orton could have got it, could have got a victory over him, or I know him and Stone Cold never fought. I, I don't believe The Rock. I, don't, I know he beat The Rock, but um, so yeah, Kurt Angle, Guerrero, Triple H, Big Show, Goldberg, Undertaker, John Cena. Could Roman Reigns be number eight? I guess we'll find out at uh, SummerSlam. Man. Hey, if, if it's gonna take four fucking times to do it, hey, then, then Roman Reigns could be the eighth guy. In the history to be Brock Lesnar the company, but um, but SummerSlam's coming up. We got seven matches. Let's go through that real quick. Because I know I just mentioned Braun and Kevin Owens is now the new newest addition to the the, the lineup. Singles match for Strowman's Money in the Bank contract. If he loses, and Owens will get the Money in the Bank briefcase. If Braun wins, then he'll just keep his fucking uh, briefcase. But let me ask you this: Do you think that you know, whether it's Braun or anybody, the person who wins the Money in the Bank briefcase, should they treat should they treat that briefcase as if it was a title? For example, like, you know, we don't know when that person is going to cash in for the for the female side or the male side. But like Braun, all right, if you won the, the Money in the Bank at, you know, in, in June or whatever, until you, until you cash in, you have to defend that Money in the Bank contract at a pay-per-view on a Raw where they kind of treat it as if it was a title. I know back in the day, they, I think they did it one time. It was Rob Van Dam, Shelton Benjamin, and Rob Van Dam had the money to bank. Shelton was Intercontinental Champion, and they had a money to bank IC title match. So Rob Van Dam won that match. He, he, he was IC Champion and still held the briefcase. So now, do you think that you know going forward, you know, they should treat the Money in the Bank contract as if it was a title where that person has to defend it every month. I've never really been a fan of that idea. I know they've done it before, like you said, with Benjamin and RVD and a few others over the past 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was kind of dumb. It completely defeats the purpose of the ladder match in which they won the briefcase if they're just going to lose it one-on-one to someone else. Now, I understand that with like the G1, which is a completely different concept, but essentially the winner of the G1 in New Japan gets a title shot in January at their uh, their Wrestle Kingdom show. And that person, whoever wins the G1, can lose their title shot by defending. They have to defend that title shot, I believe, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, in, in the months that follow their victory leading up to the Wrestle Kingdom show. I know they do it that way. 
I've never really been a fan of that. I think it just completely defeats the purpose of winning whatever match you earned your title shot in. Um, so I know, same thing with the Royal Rumble. Like, why win the Rumble if you're going to lose your title shot the very next fucking month anyway? I thought that was always so stupid. Um, they'll be doing it again with Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens. At least in this case, Braun wasn't like, oh, I'll put my briefcase on the line. Like, it wasn't voluntary. It was forced upon him by Stephanie McMahon because Kevin Owens beat him at the pay-per-view technically um, at Extreme Rules last month. Mm -hmm. So that being said, they have their title match or they have their briefcase match at SummerSlam. Obviously, Braun's going over. Kevin Owens is not walking out as the Mr. Money in the Bank. Um, (laughs) At least I wouldn't think so. Braun deserves the title at this point more than Kevin Owens does. Mm -hmm. But despite that, um, it should be a decent match. But I don't really like the idea of the briefcase being on the line. At least it has meaning, though. I will say that because for all the talk that, as I said, of every match on the card nowadays between Raw and the pay-per-views not having any real meaning, at least there's something up for grabs here and there's a reason to care. So there is that. I will mention that here. Also on Monday, they mentioned a all-women's pay-per-view or network special, whatever you want to call it nowadays, uh, coming up in October. On October 28th, called Evolution. Uh, I think that was kind of speculated for a while where people thought maybe, you know, women's tag titles and uh, to that degree, but it'll be an all women pay per view in October called Evolution. Uh, current performers and, and past performers. Um, I want to ask you are you excited for it? And then who could you potentially see from. From the heyday to come on board like Lita, Trish Stratus, and what matches do you kind of see, you know, what kind of dream matches will you want to see on that card? I am looking forward to it. I know this has been rumored for a while now. Um, I think it's a great idea, not just because they had an all-men's pay-per-view technically with the greatest Royal Rumble, but I think they could have done this years ago. But then again, I think the women's evolution, whatever you want to call it, is at a point right now where it wouldn't have worked five years ago because I don't think anyone would have cared to see fucking Kelly Kelly versus Eve Torres and then five other battle royals or whatever. I think the time is right to do the show. This year, there's genuine interest in it. Um, the matches could be great. They have such a loaded roster of women right now between Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and the NXT UK brands, as well as women from the past they can bring back, like a Trish, like Alita. And even in recent years, they're bringing back Caitlyn for the Mae Young Classic. They can bring in Eve Torres. Maurice is under contract. Maria Canellis is under contract. I know they recently had kids, but maybe they can wrestle. The Bella Twins are there. I absolutely 100% expect them to wrestle probably against the Iconics. I would imagine that's a match that's going to happen. Quite honestly, from the current crop of women, there's not a match I would call a dream match. I think Sasha Banks and Trish Stratus could be cool, but I've never looked at it like a dream match. Uh Or like I know Bailey wants a match with Lita. I've never looked at that, despite the fact that I know Bailey grew up a Lita fan. I've never looked at that as a dream match. Um, They're big attractions. And I would be excited to see them. But there's not a match in recent years I've ever thought to myself would be a dream match with the women. That being said, I think Trish and Lita are already confirmed for the show, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Um, I think Paige said something along those lines on SmackDown this week. I don't know if they'll wrestle. I don't know if they'll do commentary. I would assume they'll wrestle. They want to make this as big of a traction as possible. Mm-hmm. they got to have them on the show competing in some form or fashion. They were in the Women's Rumble earlier this year. That was not advertised. So if they want to get the biggest buzz possible out of this show, they will yeah. announce them in advance in a match against the Sasha Banks or a Charlotte or a Bailey or a Becky or whoever. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of possibilities with the women of today, tomorrow, and yesteryear 
from also NXT, getting Baszler on the card with Ronda Rousey and all the star power. Mm-hmm. It's going to be big, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I heard they, that they were going to hold off Sasha and Bailey to Evolution. Oh, my God. That <laughs> surprised me. They've already held off three years. Why, why not another six more months? <laughs> Listen, if, if they don't get it on at SummerSlam, I know that they're lovey-dovey now and whatever. They had their, their little uh, therapy stuff a few weeks ago. Now they're back together with friends and they look at each other all weird now and it's like, all right, you know, it's just, all right when are we going to get this match between Sasha and Bailey? I, 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 I was only messing with you about, about Evolution. Uh, you know, again, Evolution, Queen of the Ring, uh, you know, it's, you know, whatever. I don't work there. We could have had a whole bunch of names, but Evolution is cool. Uh, the logo doesn't really stand out to you like WrestleMania does, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Sasha Trish could be cool because of their confrontation at the Royal, uh, uh, at the Royal Rumble. The Raw Women's Title, SmackDown Women's Title, NXT Women's Title, and I think the finals of the Mae Young Classic are going to be held there. So you already know four matches. You might get a couple tag matches, uh, maybe a mini battle royal. So to have an all-women pay-per-view or network special event uh, with this crop of of, of roster, uh, I I just feel like they, they need to bolster up a few more people you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the Iconics. Don't hate me. Um, some other people that, you know, needs the more boosting going forward. But um, because if you tell me, hey, you know, Natalia versus Naomi at Evolution, it, it, don't, it, don't, it don't get me because I've seen it so many times. So um, just remains to be seen what kind of storylines they have going into that pay-per-view because I think the uh, – October isn't Hell in a Cell also in that month? So they changed up the schedule a bit. Oh, it was did. supposed to be obviously SummerSlam August. September is Hell in the Cell now. Oh. Um, October was supposed to be TLC, which is what it was last year, and they had Hell in the Cell in early October for SmackDown and TLC later on in the month for Raw. TLC has been moved to December. December was supposed to be Clash of Champions. That is now gone. October also has that Australian show, the Super Showdown, whatever the fuck they're calling it from Melbourne, Mm -hmm. I think it is. That's in early October. So they're still technically having a pay-per-view in early October with guys on it. So they have that. And now this show is replacing what TLC was supposed to be in late October and Long Island that I think it's going to be. So, yeah, that that's the uh, current layout for the pay-per-views. And obviously Survivor Series in November. Okay, so we got SummerSlam. We got Hell in a Cell in San Antonio on September 16th. We have Super Showdown in Melbourne October the 6th. Evolution October 28th here at, uh, at Nassau. Survivor Series November 18th in LA Staples and we have TLC in December in San Jose. So uh okay okay so two two in October. Um again I think Sasha Trish when it comes to lead I'm trying to think who else she was again you know um hey they might do Trish and Mickey James again like they 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 did over a decade ago that could be kind of cool. Um, if Ronda Rousey is going to be, I think she has to be involved in that uh, to some capacity. She might walk in as Raw champion. Um, but I'm, I'm happy for them. You know, some people on Twitter can say, oh, this, this, 
this should have been or could have been done a long time ago. People were, you know, giving it their two cents about how Triple H and Stephanie, you know, portrayed the whole announcement like it was about them. But you know how people are like it just kind of making themselves look good, giving them a big pat in the back. Um, some people were saying that, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that TNA already did some kind of all-women show or a different company did a, a all-women show. So basically, you know, they're kind of behind the time that, that, that you know, this should have been done a long time ago. But regardless, it's here. It's coming. I'm happy for them. Uh, looking forward to see um, how they pull it off. So, again, with the whole Royal Rumble in uh, uh, back in April, there was no female performance. So I guess this is kind of like saying, you know, you guys, you, you females deserve your own show, and you're going to get that in October. Yeah, no, like you said, the, all the complaints about, you know, it being happening first in TNA, this could happen a few years ago. Just appreciate that it's happening at all. Like, I know wrestling fans and just people in general have a tendency to complain about the smallest things. Yeah. And this is not a, this was not a big thing that really caught any, uh, any attention for the most part. One, maybe one or two people said it. And people blew it up into a big thing about people saying, oh, why don't we have an all men's pay-per-view? Like, give me a fucking break. We've had all men's pay-per-views now for like 30 years up until they started taking the women more seriously uh, two or three years ago. So I think might have like one sexist moron may have said that. And people thought that more people (laughs) have said it than that. But it didn't catch any fire because it's such a dumb thing to say. Uh, But, yeah, it is a cool thing. I think the timing is perfect. Like I said, had this happened three years ago, no one would have given a shit. No one would have cared. If it happened ten years ago, no one would have cared. We didn't have the roster that we do today. The women's roster for, you know, I, I can't praise everything they do with the women. And it has, it's obviously no reflection on the women. It's more so how they book them. Like the whole Sasha Bailey thing I, I got sick of three months ago. But, you know, they have the greatest roster of women they've ever had in their company's history. All around between Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and NXT UK. And getting them all together for one show and also bringing back names from the past is going to be huge. So, again, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to have genuine interest. People saying, oh, it's why would that be a draw? Like, no one would care, blah, blah, blah. I highly doubt that would be the case. Maybe a few years ago, but in 2018, I think we've come far enough. And Raw and SmackDown have women's main events regularly. Mm-hmm. Regularly. Like, every few weeks. Excuse me, every few weeks. It's far from, like, out of the ordinary by this point. It's more of a normal thing. It's re- more of a regular occurrence than it has ever been before. So right. the pay-per-view has a lot of buzz. Um, I really could have done without them shoving the announcement down our throats on Raw and SmackDown with, like, every superstar backstage commenting on it, the commentary team showing, like, 10 replays on SmackDown, and then eight Page mentioning it, and then AJ Styles. It's like, okay, give it a break. But beyond that, I am excited for it, and uh, hopefully the build picks up in the next three months. I mean, and, and also, I assume they would have an all-woman commentating team, right? Don't, don't do an all-female show and have Michael Cole and you know, uh, Coachman and Corey Graves doing it, right? They would have an all-female team, I would assume. They will. I have no doubt they will. I mean, I'm sure... I know that people have said, oh, what about Renee Young? Eh, I mean, she wouldn't be bad. Um, I don't. Know, there really has never been a women's commentator that's blown me away. And that's not a sexist remark. It's just the, it's just the truth. Renee Young was never really that good of a commentator in NXT, which is why she's always shined better as like a panelist or an interviewer. She's not a great commentator. Lita, 
kind of sort of sucked during the Mae Young Classic. She really was not that good at all. And I would rather see her in the ring anyway during the um, during the pay-per-view. Beth Phoenix didn't do a, a bad job mm-hmm. during the um, Mixed Match Challenge a few months ago. It wasn't great. She really wasn't anything special. She was like the female Percy Watson. She added nothing, but she was okay. So maybe they bring her back to do it. Again, I've never heard a women commentator, at least in WWE, that I thought was like, holy shit, that was amazing. Keep her around. Um, but I'm sure they'll find someone, at least make it bearable. But yeah, to have Michael Cole commentator would be dumb. I think it'd be a much better idea to have an all-women's broadcast team, an all-women's interview team, everything all-women. I think it would be perfect for the evolution theme of this show. Damn, Graham, you're a tough crowd. <laughs> shit Damn, just my two cents i'm sure i'll get lots of hate for that but I, I mean i can honestly i can honestly tell you i've never heard a female commentator that i thought was great and then again wwe's had a lot of male commentators that were shit too oh, yeah, so it's not a sexist thing it's just the truth maybe it's just how they produce these people uh, maybe lita's a lot better than i give her credit for and just the people in her ear on commentator are just on commentary are just making her a lot worse than she actually is but um, Renee Young, Lita, Beth Phoenix, eh, I'm not sold. But, again, maybe they'll find someone and really surprise me. Yeah, they're going to put Stephanie on there. Oh, my God, that's even worse. Okay, give me Lita for 10 hours over Stephanie. Hey. Never mind. I I take what back what I said earlier. No you, Stephanie, please. You said so they, no, they definitely will do that, though. You said no Lita, no Beth Phoenix, no Renee Young. You said uh, there's nobody really else out there left. I mean, it, 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 it might be Stephanie. I, I take back everything I just said about those three. <laughs> I will take them all day, every day over Stephanie McMahon. I would rather not hear for three hours how Stephanie McMahon started the fucking women's evolution. I am all set on that. Yeah, remember she was at the Rumble and she acted surprised like that Ronda Rousey was there knowing that she knew she was there. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is she doing uh, here? Like, yeah. you, you, you brought her here. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, what are you fucking, you think we're stupid? It's like, oh my God, it's wrong. What are you fucking kidding me? We know it's Ronda exactly. Rousey. We all figured it was going to happen. You're the one who signed her to the promotion. No, give me give me a fucking break. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, give me, yeah. who the fuck do you think you're kidding here? Like, that was, that was great. Exactly. Um, SmackDown, I, I don't recall anything from Raw besides Roman and Bobby Lashley. You had a couple matches here and there. Um, the KO and bronze announcement. Uh, Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler, they're gonna go at it again for the Intercontinental Title at SummerSlam. Now my thing is real quick: you can't have an Iron Man match at Extreme Rules and have a, then have a basic one-on-one match at SummerSlam. I, I, I'm hoping that there is some stipulation to this match because if there is not, I'm you know again an Iron Man match. All right, that happens. Then you're supposed to up the ante the following rematch. You can't have a basic one-on-one match at SummerSlam, now, could you? Nah, the whole thing is dumb. I said this before we previewed Extreme Rules a few weeks ago, but you, you can't have an Iron Man match and then continue the feud. I think I mentioned this, too, where yeah. <clears throat> I can't think of a single instance where we had an Iron Man match and the feud wasn't over. I cannot think of a single instance where that has ever been the case. The Iron Man match should be the be-all, end-all for all feuds, and in this case, it was just another step in the uh, of the program between Dolph and Seth. And the matches are good. Don't get me wrong; it's not like it's going to be a bad match. But it's like when you have Balor in the roster, you have McIntyre there. If it won't be the end of the feud, just make it a four way or a three way with one of those two guys, mm-hmm. or Elias, or something. Just do another one on one match. Like, what is going to stop Drew from interfering this time that when he wasn't stopped the last time to cost Seth the championship? Like, it makes absolutely 
no sense. So I, that really bothers me. I think it's just an excuse to get Seth on the card, which obviously he should be on the card in a big match. But because he's not going for the world title as he should be, they're bumping him right back down to IC Championship contention, which is just, I don't know why they're doing it. I'm sure they'll, you'll get the belt back on the show. That's my prediction as of right now. But yeah, there's got to be some sort of stipulation order. They got to add another person in, like a Drew or a Balor. Mm-hmm. Or I would say make it a ladder match. But we get so many of those these days between the one at NXT TakeOver a few months ago. We had two at Money in the Bank literally a month ago. I don't know if they would do that. We have the TLC pay-per-view coming up in a few months. I don't know if they would do that, but at least it would make this all feud worthwhile. Because otherwise, why would you do an Iron Man match and then a standard singles match? It completely defeats the purpose of the stipulation from earlier this month. Yeah, Iron Man matches is a more glorified name for two out of three falls, basically. Essentially, essentially. Yeah. I mean, the Iron Man match, as it is, I mean, it could have gone the full hour or the full half hour without any falls. But, yeah, why why not just do a two out of three falls match at that point? That would have been that would have been a lot more logical than doing the Iron Man match and then going right back to the feed the very next month. That was just yeah, stupid. It just I, I, ruins I, kind of the lower, the, 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 the specialness of the stipulation, at least in my opinion. I think the one thing that I, I didn't truly understand, you know, when you see an Iron Man match, you know, you, you look at Sean and Brett, you look at Hunter and The Rock, uh, countless others. You know, it wasn't a lot of falls going back and forth in the first five, ten minutes. And I, I don't really know why that happened. I read somewhere that, that Seth was on, on a show, on a, on a podcast or something like that. And he said that the, the crowd really got to Dolph um, because they kept they kept chanting the 10, 9, as if it's the fucking Royal Rumble and they kept doing yeah. it. And I know, mm-hmm. we, 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 you know, me and you will talk about this later, but, you know, that crowd attention, you know, kind of messing with, 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 with Dolph's head and maybe not being too focused in there. And Seth was like, he was, he was okay with it. But, um, again, them having a regular singles match at SummerSlam just, just, doesn't do it for me after seeing an Iron Man match, but anyway, uh, rematch is happening. SummerSlam. I, I started off mentioning SmackDown, and the reason why, the only reason why I would mention SmackDown is because of the promo that Randy Orton um, cut, um, and I saw it live, and I thought it was dope. I thought it was cool. I thought it was right to the point. Um, about again, sometimes we get too much of the you know you don't respect me kind of you know we saw with cm punk and some other wrestlers you don't respect me and blase blase but he mentioned the the bingo hall and the two sweet gestures and i'm not climbing off the cages and jumping off turnbuckles and is that why you don't like me is that why you don't respect uh respect me because i don't paint my face and put my arms in it i thought i thought it was very well done um and i know mark would love this if he was on but going back to what we spoke about with, with, with orton Last week, and this will all make sense in a second, where I asked you what was the, the, the greatest heel run for Randy Orton? Was it Evolution, Legacy, um, the, the Authority? And someone, someone even threw me rated, rated RKO, but I thought that was, that was you know quick. Uh, it didn't last that long. So a couple of people on Twitter did hit me back with feedback, and I'm, I'm going to go through this real quick. A lot of people really said it came down to Legacy and, oh, the Legend Killer. How can I fucking forget that? The Legend Killer and Legacy. So, um, 
Uh, let me see. Amin knows Legacy, and it's not even close. We had Legacy. Got to give Rated RKO an honorable mention. Legacy era was was fire. The Legend Killer. Uh, Legacy followed closely by the Legend Killer. Legacy easily. Legacy, the big man, head punts were classic. The Legend Killer. He was a wild boy as Legend Killer. He should have been in the NFL with those with those punts. Legend Killer, not even close. Legacy, Legend Killer. Uh, Legacy, Legend Killer. Nothing beats the Legend Killer, Randy Orton. Legend Killer again, but don't forget about Evolution. Legend Killer, the amount of disrespect was real. The best Randy Orton was the Legend Killer. You, you can kind of see a pattern here. The Legend Killer, number one, Legacy. So again, we're down to Legacy and Legend Killer. Before we get to the promo, because I don't recall what you said last week. I got to go back. But best heel Randy Orton error was Legend Killer or Legacy? I think I said Legacy, and I'm going to stick with that. Um, Legend Killer was great, and it made him who he ended up becoming. Like, that run as IC champion in 03, 04 was fucking phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And honestly, until now, until recent years, the Intercontinental Championship has not meant as much as it has since then, um, if not a little before. But Orton was one of the best, like, was really what that championship was made for, to get the belt on someone, to elevate them to the main event scene. That has not happened since 2003 with Randy Orton. I cannot think of anyone else in the last 10, 15 years since Orton held that championship as the legend killer that that championship did that for. Um, so, I, yeah, I love that reign. I love that run as the legend killer. But the legacy stuff was really the saving grace of WWE programming in yeah. more ways than one in like late 08, early 09. And I know 09 was also the year that like Punk went heel and DX came back and stuff. Not many other great things happened that year, trust me. Mm. But heel Orton was a gem throughout a dark period for WWE. The legacy stuff really helped put Ted DiBiase and Cody Rhodes on the map. Maybe not for too, too long, but it was a great group. Um, they made feud that had been done to death with John Cena and Triple H mean something again. They were exciting, mm -hmm. and he really stopped in nothing to be the quintessential heel. Like what Tommaso Ciampa is right now in NXT is basically what Randy Orton was back in 2009. So I gotta stick with the legend, or the um, rather the legacy version of Randy Orton from nine years ago as the best heel incarnation of Randy Orton. If if rated RKO was a bit a little bit longer, that'll be more in, in consideration. But what did you make of Randy Orton's promo on SmackDown? I loved it. I thought it was a great promo. It was great to see it get so much positive feedback from fans online. Easily the best Orton promo I've heard, and it's got to be years. I've honestly have not yeah. heard that great. You know, too many great Orton promos in a long ass time. Um, you know, that being said, I know, you know, he came back refreshed and motivated and, you know, feeling energetic again about two years ago during the match or during the feud with Brock Lesnar. That was the last time I was truly invested in the Orton character aside from the Wyatt family stuff before he turned on them um, around WrestleMania season last year. So that was probably the last time Orton really came across as motivated. When he takes time off, he always comes back feeling refreshed. But I think this will stick because he's a heel now. Um, you know, he's bringing up stuff that, <clears throat> you know, it makes sense. It's not just that he turned heel. Turning heel would be one thing. I think his reasons for going heel and establishing those reasons in a promo on SmackDown this week by saying that, you know, I didn't 
wrestle in bingo halls and all this other shit with the two sweet stuff and you know i'm not respected because i'm not jumping off the top rope and not right. flailing my arms around like an idiot like jeff hardy i thought it was great and he established a simple motivation saying that i'm going to attack everyone that you love here on this roster whether it be jeff hardy or aj styles or daniel bryan or, or what who have you um i thought it was great it was straightforward it was to the point it was unlike any other orton promo we've heard in the last four or five years that feels monotone and generic and formulaic this was actually motivated compelling and made me want to see what orton's going to do next that's the whole point of a fucking promo is to get me invested in what yeah. that person's going to do next and that's exactly what happened with randy Orton. i'll be talking more about this in an article for village report this coming weekend but orton to me now feels must see again for the first time in at least two to three if not more than that if not five or six years um he really does feel like he is you know, sinking his teeth into something that he's looking forward to actually doing for once, not doing it and treading his wheels and just coming out there to, uh, you know, do the greatest hits of Randy Orton, hit an RKO and go home. Like, he's not going out there and just spinning his wheels and going through the motion. He's going out there and doing something that he enjoys to do. So we'll see where it goes. I'm not sure exactly where it'll go. I assume we're getting a three-way with Hardy and Nakamura at SummerSlam. But beyond that, an Orton... AJ feud I think would be great yeah. and Orton maybe Brian feud we've seen before Orton Nakamura one on one there's a few different possibilities maybe Orton Rusev again with Rusev as the baby face there's a few different possibilities here but finally Orton feels like an important asset to the Smackdown brand whereas before he was just kind of there and flying under the radar are you more of a burn in my light Orton guy or I hear voices Orton guy that's a great question. It's got to be burning my light. I know he hated that theme song, which is why he wanted to change so bad back really? in 07, 08, or even dating back to 06, which is why he had the old CM Punk theme song for like a week on SmackDown. Um, I hear Voices is a classic tune. Obviously, it became a classic tune in the years that followed, and he's had it now for over 10 years, which is crazy to think about, but... I don't know, just something about that Burn In My Light theme song. It just screamed the douchebag. Like, holy shit, I hate <laughs> this guy. Like, it screams like, what an asshole. I mean, this the song that he has now, I Hear Voices, is obviously great for his current character. And it is catchy. People still do the whole arms up in the air for Randy Orton. But that song, just with the image of Orton's just smirk across his face, will never not be iconic. So I gotta go with Burn In My Light, but it's... It's a close, uh, it's a close race there between the two songs. And you know what, Graham? I felt Randy Orton was like a hundred, a hundred percent spot on, because most fans, he's right. Most fans have turned away from the Randy Ortons, the John Cena's, even Brock Lesnar, um, and they falling in love with the Finn Balor's with. You know the 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 young bucks and the Chompas and Garganos of the world and people who just fly all, all over the top rope and do these wild moves and Seth Rollins and they know they're all good, um, but I guess the fans have have gone away from the basic fundamental kind of guys, um, and that's been going on for a while and it, they may like some. Of the, the the technical kind of wrestlers like Nakamura, he ain't jumping all over the place, but he's more technical to a degree. I think he just only kicks the whole time, uh, but, but people still love him. AJ could be a tweener of a of, of a high style, um, 
tech guy, but the Ordens and John Cena's and those guys are, are you know, not saying they old, but they, they kind of push to the back. And the fans right now are just more like into the high flying moves, and this is awesome, and going a fucking hour and a half, and they they loving these kind of guys, and it just I think what Orton said. Um, was spot on. Now again, was that his his true words, or did somebody write that for him, or did he go out there and just say, hey, "Give me a mic and and I just do a promo"? We don't know, but I think that promo was b- borderline like, "All right, this is this is kayfabe," but part of it was more like, "This is how I truly feel right now." Nah, probably more kayfabe, but I'm sure there is an element of truth to his promo. I'm not sure if you can recall this, Randy, but it was a few months ago, maybe, mm-hmm. like, might have been earlier this year, but Orton went on this, like, tirade on Twitter. This <laughs> massive, yeah. there's definitely an element of truth to his promo, because mm-hmm. the guy went on this tirade on Twitter. He basically turned heel on Twitter before he did at, uh, before he turned heel at Extreme Rules a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But he, like, responded to a tweet. From Rip Rogers, uh, you know, old school guy, an old school guy wrestler on Twitter, basically saying that everything, the only thing people know how to do nowadays is dive. It's all about diving. There's no psychology to the matches. All people know how to do is flips and dives and all this other shit. And to an extent, that's true. I mean, you know, I'm not going to complain because some of that stuff is really exciting. But yeah, yeah, there are a lot of matches nowadays where there is a lot of dives and flips for no apparent reason. They don't sell them. There's no psychology. And then you can also, there is also something to be said for doing moves that mean absolutely nothing and uh, just doing a bunch of moves for the sake of doing moves. Now, Orton is not the most exciting wrestler in the world, but the guy can go in there and have a great match. Anyone who says otherwise is clearly not knowing what they're talking about. I mean, it depends on the opponent. Orton, you know, he's not going to have a great match with a guy like Jinder Mahal. Um, but he can go in there and have a really, really good match. I mean, he's had good matches before with John Cena, but with a variety of opponents. The people, you know, a person like a Christian with a Nakamura he's worked well with in the past. Bray Wyatt wasn't really that good of a fit. Um, dating back a few years ago, Sheamus, he had good matches with. Orton is a very good hand inside the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he makes a great point about not being as flashy in the ring as some people currently on the roster. And if it serves a purpose, then it serves a purpose. But if you spend an entire match doing flippity doodahs for no apparent reason and people are kicking out of shit they shouldn't be kicking out of, then it gets a bit ridiculous. They don't really do that as much in WWE. WWE very limits, very much limits what they do inside the squared circle. Um, it's more so like indie promotions and sometimes on Ring of Honor, not really so much in New Japan. New Japan kind of knows what they're doing. But I can definitely see there being an element of truth, element of truth, I should say, to um, Orton's promo from Tuesday night. Two uh, two things real quick. Uh, you mentioned Tommaso Ciampa. He's, well, you know, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but Graham told me he's now the new NXT heavyweight champion. He beat Aleister Black. Like a couple of weeks ago, and they did, they just aired it yesterday. We're taping this on Thursday, July twenty sixth. So Champa is the new NXT champion. I would assume he would walk into NXT Takeover in in Brooklyn, still champion. What do you see in the future for Champa as NXT champion? So I think the current plan, if I'm not mistaken, now it's not really a spoiler to discuss the title change because usually I wouldn't do that. But um, it did air on Wednesday this week. So what airs is not really a spoiler. So for those that haven't seen it, that's your own fault. Yeah, my but fault. But <laughs> uh, for, for TakeOver, for TakeOver, I mean, Randy, I told you last week, so it's not like I'm spoiling it for you already I know. know. 
Um, but for TakeOver, I think the current plan, logically based on what happened, because Chopper did not beat Black clean one, two, three. There was interference. There was a ref bump. There was involvement with, uh-huh. with uh, Johnny Gargano. So I would assume it's going to be Ciampa, Gargano, and Black in a three-way for that championship at TakeOver Brooklyn 4, which should be an amazing, tremendous triple threat match. Mm-hmm. Um, I would keep the belt on Ciampa, build Gargano winning the belt at some point down the road. Um, but for right now, I mean, Aleister Black is really the odd man out of the moment. He really has not been the guy in NXT, despite being NXT champion for a few months now. He dropped the championship this past week on the show. Which was a good move because Ciampa is the best thing going in NXT and really the entire WWE right now, in my opinion. The guy is just firing in all cylinders as a heel. Um, That being said, I think Ciampa and Gargano can continue to carry the NXT brand going into the latter half of 2018. Aleister Black, we could, I could honestly very well see him being called up on the Raw or SmackDown after SummerSlam. A lot like Bobby Roode, where he dropped the championship at TakeOver and showed up on TV literally like three days later. So I honestly see that being the case. And I would not be opposed to it. I mean, I'm very hesitant just because main roster, the WWE really does get the call-ups wrong more often than not. Sanity, the authors of pain, already feel like just another two teams on the roster mm-hmm. no one could possibly care any less about either team for the most part um but i you know i fear for alistair black he's got a great entrance the guy's an absolute star but i don't know where he would even fit right now in the raw or smackdown rosters um but yeah that you know i thought the match with black and chomp on nxt this week was great people should definitely check it out the best match you saw in nxt or saw on wwe tv all week and um, yeah, it sets forth, uh, sets up a ton of possibilities for the future with Ciampa's NXT champion, Gargano right on his tail, Black getting a rematch. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's only in addition to everything else being set up for TakeOver in a few weeks, which should be a stellar show. I know they teased Adam Cole and Ricochet for the NXT North American title, Undisputed Air against War Raiders, the former War Machine for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Um, also, Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler in a rematch with the May Young Classic last year, this time for the NXT Women's Championship, and also EC3 versus Velveteen Dream. So the whole show looks lit AF, as the kids would say. Um, it looks like a great show on paper and cannot wait to be there in person for it. I'm shocked that the amount of times that you curse on this show, you have to abbreviate AF. <laughs> Gotta swerve the fans every once no, in a while, Randy. You, you can say lit as fuck, Grand. You, do, you curse all the time. It's good. I know, I know. I'm sure <laughs> I'm gonna get a. Um, I'm sure gonna get a tweet from uh, at our boy at Johnny NBA on the Twitter machine talking about why he just didn't say lit AF in yeah, full. I'm sure, you'll be uh, commenting on that. We love you, Johnny. Don't 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 censor yourself now, man. You're too late. For <laughs> yeah, we're too uh, far down the rabbit hole at this point um, to uh, turn back at this point. At some point, man, just give the world title to Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream, and I'm good, man. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Adam Cole, baby, is a um, star. Before I bring up the last point, uh, for those who don't follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can follow Graham Matthews on Twitter at WrestleRant. Uh, great work for Bleacher Report. You can also follow our third man, Mark Raimondi, Mark underscore Raimondi on Twitter. Great work for MMAFighting.com. Uh, I bring this up because uh, Graham wrote something on Bleacher Report last week. It got me thinking. It's very interesting. Kind of paraphrasing here, but kind of like who was to blame for, uh, for the fans hijacking these shows? Uh, is it the fans? 
Is it the company? Is it the product? And I, I, I'm assuming that when people saw the Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, Iron Man match and the fans were chanting the, the, the clock down as if it was the Royal Rumble. And, and this has been going on way before that. But, um, you know, it, you know, it was a Pittsburgh crowd. You, you do. You, people go to these cities and they get that kind of big time crowd from a New York, uh, Miami, L.A., Dallas um, after WrestleMania or after a big pay-per-view. But, um, you know, Graham took his time out to write this article. Basically, I want to ask you, Graham, for those who haven't read it, I, I, I did read some of it, but you took your time out to, to figure out, is it is it the product? Is it the company? Is it the fans who just kind of feel like, well, I paid my money to go to the, to these events. I'm going to say whatever I want, however I want. They feel like they have that freedom and, and, and that authority because the company always says we do it for the universe. So they kind of feel like, all right, if you're doing it for me, I'm going to pay my $150, $200, get my beer, get my snacks, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to cheer. I'm going to boo you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So they kind of feel they have that luxury. Or the fact they do that, not on purpose, but they do it because what they see in, in the ring doesn't uh, equivocate to the money that they spend all the time. So is it the product? Is it the storylines? The characters are dull? Um, are, we, are we just in a different era where the fans feel like they are a part of the show and they basically take over the show? Or is the blame on the company? Well, I mean, the reason I wrote it was coming off the Extreme Rules main event last week between Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins, which I'm sure we talked about here in the show, I forgot. But when the, the countdown clock from the Pittsburgh crowd every freaking 60 seconds, that really annoyed a lot of people, myself included, like, what are you doing? But it goes both ways. They're obnoxious, but they're obnoxious because they're not entertained. And is it a way of their is it their way of sending a message to the company that this is what they not this is what they wanted to see? Now Rollins and Ziggler in an Iron Man match is basically like a dream match. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like if it was an exciting match and it wasn't boring, at least at the points they were chanting, then they wouldn't have had a need to do the the, the countdown clock stuff. So the same thing with like Roman Reigns and Jinder and Money in the Bank. I was there for that one. The crowd really hijacked the show. If only for that match. It wasn't the entire show. It was that one match sending a message to the company that the, the people in the arena that night, the entire fan base, did not care to see Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal. And the only way they can show that is by you know entertaining themselves, by doing the wave or chanting for other things and just – keeping themselves busy by doing anything else but rooting for either Roman Reigns or Jinder Mahal because they did not want to see the match to begin with. No one asked for Jinder versus Roman. And then there's other instances like the night after WrestleMania where, I mean, it's always exciting, but like the whole we are awesome bullshit or like bringing the beach balls, like another prime example during SummerSlam last year, which I brought up in the article at the very end, we had this very good Raw Tag Team title match between Sheamus and Cesaro and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Right. That was where the famous scene was shot of, uh, or like the famous shot of Cesaro grabbing the beach ball and ripping it to shreds. And I, I can't blame him. The match was really, really good. Why people were throwing around beach balls at that moment made absolutely no sense to me. Um, so again, I don't know why they were doing it then as opposed to other points in the show. Do fans go t too far? That's the question. Do fans go True. too far to make themselves the star of the show. Mm -hmm. At home, I don't tune in 
to WWE programming to see what the crowd's going to chant. 99% of the time. Maybe during a Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match where I could not care less. But beyond that, I'm not tuning into Raw for the fucking fans. I'm tuning in for the superstars. And if a match doesn't intrigue me, then, I mean, at that point, maybe they can show their dissatisfaction another way. And it is all about the product. I mean, Randy, you and I have talked about this for weeks on end now, months on end even. Mark as well, that the product right now is not lighting the world on fire. And there's only so many things a a crowd can do other than just sit on their hands. They paid their money to be there. Um, There are ways to express your dissatisfaction without going too far and disrespecting the performers, but rather sending a message to the company. So I think there's a happy medium there. And I think the timing of the article, I think, is perfect. Just because Roman and Brock is coming up right around the corner at SummerSlam, how will the crowd react in Brooklyn? I think we all know how they're going to react. But still, it's going to be interesting to see um, either the crowd is going to shit all over it or just be quiet while people leave. You know, it's it's all about how the crowd reacts. And is it for better or for worse? And is at, at the end of the day, will it really change anything? So far, it hasn't changed anything with Roman Reigns. Um, cheering for the guy, booing for the guy, the let's go Roman, Roman sucks things. It, it's not going to get the company to not push Roman Reigns because it's a reaction in their mind. A reaction's a reaction. That's the old mm. saying. That's what, It goes for Roman Reigns. People are not sitting on their hands when Roman Reigns comes out. They're either booing or cheering, which is exactly what happened with John Cena years ago, which is exactly why they will not stop pushing Roman Reigns. But, again, I think with the whole fan chance and the crowd hijacking pay-per-views, to an extent, it, it's okay. To another extent, for fans chanting CM Punk for every fucking 10 minutes, like, just stop. Like, if you're doing it to send a message, mm-hmm. that's one thing. If you're just doing it to be an asshole and just annoy people around you and it catches on, that's a whole other issue that should be addressed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my two cents on that. I, I feel like I feel like what you just said real quick, the latter part is more like people just want to go there and be an asshole. You want just want to go there and be like, hey, it's about me. Look at me with with, with my with my NWO shirt on. Look, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I yeah, I fucking hate that. I hate that a lot. That it's not the majority. Usually, it's yeah. just the a few people in every section. Every section has that drunk moron that's just chanting for CM Punk or for fucking JBL or something. Like, dude, who cares? Like, just try to enjoy the show and try not to uh, ruin it for the people around you. Yeah, the whole end of, you know, I mean, I wear old school t-shirts of the shows too, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It's crazy, man. I, 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 I was, okay, if this was the Roman Reigns main event match, I can expect that. But when you have Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins, someone who well, I, I would assume people love Seth more than they do Dolph, and it's for the Intercontinental Championship. It's an Iron Man match, a 30-minute Iron Man match. First time IC title main events at pay-per-view is in SummerSlam 92, and you still, this is not Roman, this, this ain't gender, this ain't Kane and all these fucking old guys, and you still aren't entertained by what you're seeing at Extreme Rules main event. So that part made me feel like, all right, these guys in the crowd, again, not everybody, but some people in the crowd just want to make it feel like it's all about them and X, Y, Z. And it's like, you know what? I see the clock. I'm going to count down. I'm going to be an asshole. And once one person does it, Graham, you've seen it, <laughs> a whole bunch of people do it. And I just felt, I kind of felt bad for, uh, for Dolph and, and Seth. Uh, one, because I was surprised that went on last. I think we all were. And two, it was something new, something different. Iron Man main event, IC title, two, two dope competitors. Uh, 
it, and then it's like, damn, you, and you still shit on them? Like, I'm, 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 and real quick, my thing is this. Roman Reigns main evented four WrestleManias in a row. He's main evented other pay-per-views. And you, you, you do your, your booing and all that. But I think when you compare him to like, you know, they don't like him main eventing these, these shows. Okay, that's one thing. But I'm trying to find the difference of when like Triple H was the, you know, main evented a plethora of, of WrestleManias, plethora of other events, and they never booed Triple H. They, they, they hated the character, but they never booed him to a point where they disrespected the match between him and like Booker T or Shawn Michaels or Taker or, whoever, or Randy Orton, Ric Flair, whoever it was. They, they, they booed because they, they booed the character. They did not boo and do all these other gestures because they're bored or they 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 are not entertained. It, it, it's a lot different from back in the day, you know, than what it is now. I think it, it, it's it's crazy. It's a shame that people just. I'm not spending two hundred dollars to go in there and just chant my asshole. I, I'm not doing that. I, you know, that's not me. I want to. Nah, I, yeah, I, it's a waste of time. I want to go enjoy the show, have a good time, and get out. These people. They can't wait for Raw every Monday to chant CM Punk and this is awesome or you can't wrestle or blase blase. And it's it just like that's the era of wrestling that we are in right now. Yeah, no, I don't think people can separate the two, which is sad. I mean, I don't know. The whole discussion can be talked about for hours, but the mm-hmm. whole like, do we hate the character, per, uh, the character of Roman Reigns, the person? Obviously, it's the fucking character. People that don't realize that are very. That, that's the wrong type of wrestling fan you want to get involved with, okay? The, the, yeah. the wrong type of wrestling fan that you'll get in a Twitter debate with that won't stop arguing their point because they want their voice to be heard. Those are the type of people that hear a chant of those type of shows and, and chime in because they want to be a part of the cool kids. And that's what I hate about the wrestling crowds. Not every wrestling crowd, but most of them. And there's a lot of people online who are like telling John or Roman Reigns, not the majority, but like a lot of the dumb fans, the dumb Marks, as we used to call them here on your show, Randy, Mark and I like, you know, go kill yourself, Roman Reigns, you're a piece of shit. Like, dude, this has nothing to do with him. It's all about the company. I like Roman Reigns. I know it may not sound like it because I always poop on his booking and whatever, but I like Roman Reigns. It's just how they book this guy and just everything else is just ridiculous. But again, um, I think it's all about the company. It has nothing to do with the performers and whatever. People should realize that even in 2018, people can't differentiate the two. They can't, you know, draw the line between kayfabe and what's real and what's fake. But it's, it's ridiculous. So for those saying that kayfabe is dead, obviously don't see some of the comments that people write online about Roman Reigns and the entire WWE and just wrestling in general. Yeah, it's crazy that the same people that, that boo Roman Reigns are the same people that cheer Enzo and the cast, and they're lo- no longer in the fucking company. Look at look at that shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It goes both ways. Uh, before I wrap it up for real, um, can't leave without a, a, a anniversary. Fully loaded, 98 in your house. Have you seen it before? I have not in a long time, but <laughs> I have definitely seen it before. Yes, hey, man, I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I don't even know when I last saw it. I just I was looking online to see you know what July pay per views I can talk about for the anniversary twenty fifteen whatever it is. Came across fully loaded ninety eight in your house. Real quick, we have Val Venus defeated Jeff Jarrett. Wow. 
D'Lo Brown defeated X-Pac. Farouk and Scorpio. I don't even know who Scorpio is. Defeated Justin Bradshaw. So not even JBL. And Terry Funk. Mark Henry defeated Vader. It's a classic so far. The Disciples of Apocalypse defeated LOD 2000. Owen Hart defeated Ken Shamrock. Oh, my God. The Rock defeated... Oh, Rock versus... Uh, oh, a time limit draw. The Rock and Triple H, a two out of three falls match for the IC title, which I thought was a very good match. Jacqueline defeated Sable in a bikini contest. Okay. And Stone Cold and Undertaker defeated Kane and Mankind for the tag team titles. So... That was fully loaded 98, Graham. I don't remember anything about that show whatsoever. <laughs> that card does not ring any bells. That must have been one of the more forgettable in-your-house shows because I do I, not remember that in the slightest. I remember the tag title match and the two out of three falls match. If you go home, well, you're home now. If you go and get a chance to see those two matches, you might just enjoy it. The Rock and Triple H is probably the best match on the card. Um, that led to their match later on at SummerSlam um, in a ladder match for the IC title. I think this match is very good. Time limit draw, yeah, but I think it was very good and entertaining. And Stone Cold Taker winning the tag titles uh, only continued their back and forth before SummerSlam at the Garden in 98. So other than that, uh, I don't really re- recall stuff, but when you get a chance, Graham, go ahead, go ahead, and check out Rock Triple H and uh, the, the tag title match. I don't remember the tag title match, but I do remember watching Rock and Triple H on Second Thought. That was a great match. Rock and Triple H have always had awesome chemistry. Um, I re- I remember the latter match more fondly, but this match was also really really good, and it was unlike you know very similar to most. You know, attitude era pay per views where you have like one great match and everything else is pure shit. And I don't remember the main event. I'm sure that was good too, like you said. But usually the undercard was a lot of trash, and this pay per view is no different. But like you said, people should go out of their way to rewatch Triple H and The Rock in that two out of three falls match here on the two out of three falls show for the Intercontinental Championship. A great match between The uh, Rock and Triple H. And I can guarantee you now one person in the crowd on this pay per view chanted, This is boring. I guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed Were they chanting for uh, Randy Savage back in 1998? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, Graham Matthews on Twitter. Wrestle Rant. Great work for Bleacher Report. Uh, hit, hit him up on Twitter. Hit, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz. Mark Raimondi at Mark underscore Raimondi. You can find the podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. SoundCloud.com slash Cruise Control Podcast. Uh, we got some two out of three falls. T-shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com. Again, ProWrestlingTees.com. So if you're a big fan of the show, we greatly appreciate your support. Go ahead, download, rate, comment, and subscribe to the show. We do this once a week. Uh, For myself, Randy Cruz, Graham Matthews, Mark Raimondi. Graham, my man, always appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. Always appreciate you having me here on the show. Talk more next week. And until then, brother, enjoy your weekend. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, adios. All right.